Do you remember the day that the egg became bad for you? I know I do. Did something happen to the egg? Hey everybody, Aaron Wenzel here, host of the Concierge Medicine Show, where we give you real conversations to have with your physician in 30 minutes or less. This is episode five, and it's going to be one of my very favorite topics in all of health, and that is nutrition. Listen, we all know how much noise there is around this topic. There is no shortage of experts and opinions around what is good, what is bad, and, and frankly, what you should and should not be doing. But I want to start from the top. At the most fundamental level, what is nutrition and why do we need it? Nutrition is, is a fancy way of saying we need energy. Because at the most basic fundamental level, all living things have one primary job, and that is to stay alive. As a human, you and I stay alive through energy, and we get energy from nutrition. This is, I know it sounds really simple, but it's really important to frame this with the basic building block, right? Building a foundation for a house is super boring, you know, concrete and stuff. But if you don't have a good foundation, nothing else matters. And I... I can assure you there are plenty of people who are trying to sell you drapes and furniture and all the furnishings inside of this house, but if the foundation is cracked, you're going to lose your way. So today, I really hope to anchor you in some real fundamental truths around nutrition. You know, we're challenged in an environment today where, you know, information is, is a commodity. You know, I, I can remember just 15 years ago, Gosh, if you had information, you could sell information. Like, it was hard to get information. But in this world of overconnectivity and instant access uh, and search engines and, and the ability to just have a question and immediately get an answer, it's had obvious great implications, right? Uh, however, the unintended consequences, uh, one of them, is this inability for us to decipher an infinite amount of information. We have now gone from the information age to the age where we don't crave any more information. Like, I'm probably not going to tell you anything today that you've never heard before or is not available. But what we're all lacking is wisdom insight. What do we do with all this information? Because now everybody can come in and present themselves as an expert to you um, and have the market cornered on truth. And it becomes very challenging, even for intelligent, free-thinking, high-functioning, successful adults to flesh out truth. And so in today's show, I'm really hoping to clear the air and give you absolute clarity on what it means as a human to need nutrition and once things pass our lips what happens and the implications uh, of these phenomena that are there by design 
So let's jump into the show. Here is eight years of nutritional uh, science and nutritional biochemistry in like five or six minutes. Okay, I want to just frame this out for you again. So at the highest level, our job is to stay alive. Every process God has given us is to keep us upright, to keep us thriving and procreating and moving along. And we have to have continual input of energy. Uh, And in energy for a human is nutrition. So nutrition is broken down into two main subgroups, macronutrients and micronutrients. Micronutrients are things like minerals, vitamins. That's a separate show. I want to talk about macronutrients. So everything that you put in your mouth that isn't a vitamin or a mineral has to fall into one of three categories. Has to. It's not good or bad or right or wrong. And this this is really not a discussion about what's good or bad. It's just, I want to establish what is, okay? Macronutrient number one, a fat. Macronutrient number two, protein. Macronutrient number three, carbohydrates. Everything you put in your mouth has to be one of these three things. So what happens when you put these macronutrients in your mouth? Let's chunk this down one at a time. This is very important. When you have a fat and you put it into your mouth, it immediately breaks down into its basic building blocks of a fat cell. And it turns out the basic building blocks of a fat cell are triglycerides. Triglycerides, whether it's an avocado, the fat from the avocado triglyceride, or the fat from a steak, it immediately gets broken down into its basic building blocks, triglycerides. There's no prejudice. It breaks it down immediately into what it is at its basic level. Triglycerides in our bloodstream then are awaiting a signal. If the signal is present, that triglyceride will be driven back into its storage form, fat. Remember, it starts as fat, gets broken down as a triglyceride. The body then, under signaling, will tell that triglyceride where to go. If the signal is there to go to fat, to store it, it will go. If there's no signal, that triglyceride can be utilized as energy in the form of a ketone. This is really interesting. So you should be asking, what's the signal? Turns out the signal is insulin. We're going to have a lot of discussion around insulin in this show and in uh, future shows. This is a a very critical point uh, and a recurring theme. Uh, The longer you hang out with me and and listen to things I have to say, uh, you'll find that insulin is a major player. And it turns out if insulin is present in your bloodstream... When you eat fat broken down into triglyceride, it will immediately get stored again into your fat cells. Let's move on to protein, the second macronutrient. When you eat protein, it is immediately broken down into its basic building blocks, which are called amino acids. This isn't probably super profound for for most of you. I'm pretty sure we all went over this in middle school science, but it's important to revisit. 
to establish normal, that foundation. So amino acids, they too go in one of two pathways, either utilized immediately for muscle repair or lean muscle growth, which is where it goes most of the time. But there are some situations specifically in states of starvation or in extreme levels of amino acids, those can be funneled into a process to make sugar. I don't want to confuse you, but again, protein in, amino acids, either used as lean muscle growth or tissue repair, or in two major extreme circumstances, starvation being one, and excessive amounts of amino acids the other, those excess amino acids can go down a path to make sugar. That path is called the Krebs cycle for those uh, fellow nerds out there. And you remember from high school biology, the Krebs cycle, it's this huge, crazy process that amino acids go in, sugar comes out. That's, that's the end net uh, thing to remember from that. The process is not important. The third macronutrient. So if it's not a fat and it's not a protein, it has to be a carbohydrate. Carbohydrates go into your mouth. As soon as it hits your lips, it immediately gets broken down into its basic building blocks. And it turns out the basic fundamental core backbone of every carbohydrate on the planet is sugar. To be sugar is to be a carbohydrate. To be a carbohydrate is to be sugar. This is really, really important. Carbohydrates come in, immediately broken down into sugar, plus or minus fiber. Fiber being the, a plant, uh, their musculoskeletal system, we have no need for that because we have muscles and bones. That's what the amino acids are for. Fiber goes through our GI tract, ends up in the toilet. We don't absorb fiber because we don't use it. Which means all carbohydrates that you eat that are not fiber are sugar. This is very interesting because when sugar comes in, sugar immediately goes into the bloodstream, raises our blood sugar, and remember, our primary goal as a human being is to stay alive, and we need to do that by taking energy from nutrition. So by design, we crave the simplest, most readily available, easiest to use form of energy that we can possibly get. And it turns out that's sugar. Not only is it readily available through what we eat, and not only is it readily available as soon as it's in the bloodstream in the form of energy, we quickly meet our needs for sugar and all of it can be stored for later super simply. One step, it gets converted and stored. And what do you think stored sugar gets converted into? Fat. Very, very important. But it's by design. We are designed to survive famines. Only the famine never comes. This is critically, critically important. And so you might say, well, how is it stored as fat? How does sugar get converted into fat? Do you remember when fat gets broken down to triglycerides and is waiting for a signal or not? If there's no signal, it gets burned as energy in the form of a ketone. But if a signal is there, it gets driven back into fat. That signal for fat, remember, it was insulin. 
Guess what the signal is for extra sugar to be converted into fat? It's the same thing. Insulin. Insulin is the hormone God gave us. It's released from the pancreas in the setting of elevated blood sugar. This is critically, critically important at the most fundamental level for you to actually understand this with total clarity. When we eat things that raise our blood sugar, it triggers an insulin response. When insulin is present, it takes two of the three forms of macronutrients that we can consume and it makes fat. Did you catch that? We've got three options for nutrition. Two of the three get converted to fat in the presence of insulin and insulin only shows up when our blood sugar is elevated. This is really, really important because when we really step back from this, we would then say, well, why would we eat things that raise our blood sugar? That's a good question. Of the three macronutrients, which one raises your blood sugar? Of course, the one that is sugar. I'm not demonizing carbohydrates and I'm not demonizing sugar for that matter. What I am demonizing is insulin. If insulin is present, you are not only not burning fat, you're making fat. The only way to not make fat and it turns out, and we'll get into this in future discussions, the only way to actually burn fat is to eliminate insulin out of your bloodstream. We'll get into this a little bit later. When we look at a fat cell, whether it's from a piece of meat or let's look at a human being, for example, because you're a human and I'm a human. And I understand humans best. When we look at the way that we are designed, we need to ask a question. When would we ever, by design, store energy? When would we make fat? When would that be advantageous? I've alluded to it. When we look at 10,000 years or so of documented human history, we know that up until recently, there were phenomena that took place called famines where you didn't have access to abundance of food. You actually went through long seasons where there was inefficient amount, insufficient amount of nutrition. And it was advantageous to reach into our biochemical energy stores to pull energy to feed our body to stay alive. Remember our primary goal? Stay alive. And what fuels this ability to stay alive during long seasons of famine is our incredible, adaptive, on-purpose, designed ability to take every ounce of excess and immediately store it, right? Doesn't that make sense? So if we know that extra sugar gets converted into fat from our friend insulin, he's not our friend, I'm just being facetious, then we must ask, and we know that low sugar is not good either because we need sugar in our bloodstream the question we should be asking well what's a normal amount of sugar in a non-diabetic adult if we were to take all of the blood out of your system there are five liters of blood in your whole body not as much as you thought probably if we were to take that blood and pull out every bit of sugar that makes a normal non-diabetic sugar 
we would have five teaspoons of sugar. Five. That's it. That's not as much as you thought. One banana has five teaspoons of sugar. Just for context. One bowl of instant oatmeal, five teaspoons of sugar. You see where I'm going? One Coca-Cola, nine teaspoons of sugar. It, we don't need a lot. We need sugar. And the world of nutrition over the last 35 years will tell you, we got to have sugar. We got to have sugar. It's the brain wants sugar. Yeah, kind of, but careful. Half-truths can get you in real trouble. So in a normal situation, we have five teaspoons of sugar in a non-diabetic situation. But as soon as we get above five teaspoons of sugar, we are storing that because your body not only doesn't want you to have diabetes, which by the way, is seven teaspoons of sugar, tight, tight window, body doesn't want diabetes, wants you to stay alive during famine. You have two huge biological drivers to keep you alive and disease free. So every ounce of sugar above five teaspoons gets driven into long-term storage. Five teaspoons of sugar correlated to a blood count number is 100. So if you've ever checked your blood sugar and it's like 85, 90, 100, 170, 200, that's what that number is. 100 is equivalent to five teaspoons of sugar. I've saved you all the math. I've done all the math for you. So... Here we are in a situation where we need some sugar to be functional as a human, but every bit above five teaspoons of sugar gets converted to fat so that we don't get diabetes and so that we don't die in a famine. This is really, really important because the way that that fat is made above 100 is insulin shows up. As soon as you exceed five teaspoons of sugar or a hundred on your blood test, insulin shows up, you immediately begin to make fat and block the fat burning process. You are famine, you are prepping for the famine. Well, what would happen in a scenario where your blood sugar never gets below a hundred? Yeah, you're never burning fat, ever. Matter of fact, you're not only not ever burning it, because insulin's always present, you're always making it. This is why the average American adult will put on five to seven pounds of fat every year, regardless of what they try or don't try. It's because more often than not, on a calendar year, their blood sugar is above 100, which means behind the scenes, your body's slowly packing on the fat cells. It's a problem. It's a problem. But there is an answer. So one more concept before we dive into the questions that I really want you to start having with your physician, and that is this concept of do calories matter and are all calories created equal? I mean, clearly at this point, you can see that calories cannot be equal. In other words, they cannot cause the exact same processes. I mean, although a calorie is a calorie in terms of what it represents in potential energy, once that calorie is consumed, there are different cascades that happen based on where that calorie is from. So although calories matter, 
they are infinitely less important than understanding where those calories are coming from. Because if you're consuming the majority of your calories from nutrition sources that raise your blood sugar, you can't win at this. You just cannot. It has nothing to do with your intelligence. It has everything to do with basic biochemistry. And anybody who would tell you something different just doesn't understand it or they have something very, very interesting to sell you. So I hope you can see that at this point, it's not enough to guess at this and win. You've got to really pull back the curtain and understand the basic design. Um, you know, you, you've got to master nutrition and then you got to know your goals. So here are the conversations that I want you to be able to have with your physician. Number one, if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic already, how will any dietary changes affect your blood sugar? Truth is, most diabetics are chasing their bad diet or misinformed diet with medication. This is why your numbers never improve, your weight always increases, and you're always adding medication. We're never addressing the problem. By putting things in our mouth that chronically elevate our blood sugar, we will always be chasing it. Before, this is really, really important, if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic and you're thinking about making radical diet changes that lower your blood sugar, which can be done, you absolutely have to talk with your physician about the medications you're on. Many of the oral hypoglycemic diabetic medications can profoundly drop your blood sugar even when you're eating a high-carbohydrate diet, if you make drastic changes in your diet, you can potentially put yourself at risk for low blood sugar episodes. So before you make any radical changes in your diet, please consult with your physician about maybe putting some medicines aside as you really try to push your diet to get the, the gains and, and the improvements that you're really looking for and that you, you honestly deserve. Uh, the second question is that as you lose body fat, are you gonna have to make changes to your medication? And the answer is absolutely yes. Every one of my private patients reduces many completely off of medication. I mean, when you start fixing your diet and you're not chasing things, all of a sudden you start getting the benefits. You start burning fat, your cholesterol starts dropping, your thyroid function improves, your mobility improves, your inflammation, your depression, your chronic pain. It all improves. Your high blood pressure, you're going to need, as you make dietary changes and really start to improve your health, you're going to need to start really having somebody monitor these medications as you get healthier. Please do not do this on your own. The last concept is this idea, if you've got a pretty profound disease already, namely hypertension, uh, congestive heart failure, renal disease, there are certain diets that can be challenging, um, specifically in the area of fluid intake, salt intake, there are medications if you have kidney disease that can be a little bit challenging. Um, please consult your physician about a diet that will not put you in harm's way should you have heart, kidney disease. It's very, very important. So my, my take home uh, as we wrap up, I, I really want you to get crystal clear on your goals. In other words, what is it you want to achieve? Um, uh, what, the second thing is, what are your dietary preferences? In other words, do you even like bacon? If you do, you're in for some good stuff because, you know, it's, a bake, it's not a bacon problem. It's a biscuit problem. 
the challenge is if you don't like bacon, then it doesn't do any good. You got to find, you got to know where you're trying to go. You got to know, be real and honest with what your palate, you, what you desire to eat. And do you have any special considerations as you're going through this journey? Listen, I really hope that this has uh, brought value to you. I hope it's stimulated some really interesting thoughts for you. I hope it's challenged you on some things that uh, maybe you've been led to believe that were inaccurate. I hope that maybe even in the case where you've kind of known this but needed some affirmation, I hope I can be that for you. We love for you to get involved. Please leave any comments. Um, let us know what you think, what you'd like to hear more of, uh, if there are topics you'd like me to elaborate on. Um, it really uh, brings me a lot of joy to see you guys engaging and enjoying the content. Please, if you haven't subscribed to our show, it would mean the world to me. Uh, leave a review. Um, always like to see those. Until we meet again, take care. Hey everybody, thanks again for watching the show. I'm sure it goes without saying, but I feel compelled to share with you. Obviously, I want to help uh, as many people as possible. Um, but before you make any medical changes, please, please consult with your physician. Don't do any of this on your own. Um, you don't want to put yourself in any harm's way. And um, again, thanks a bunch for watching the show. If you have any questions or comments, again, please leave them and we'll get back to you. Take care.